It is your classic metal show right here on the classicmetalshow.com. That is something from the Electric Radio Kings. That's uh, back to black. No, not back in black, but back to black. And uh, that features our good friend and and uh, fantastic guitarist, my good friend Stacy David Blades. What's going on there, Stacy? How are you, buddy? Good to <laughs> good to talk to you. And uh, we ran into Nam uh, at Nam. I said we didn't run into Nam. Uh, we <laughs> kind of the same thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't seen you in a while, so that was. Uh, I'm glad I ran into you, and uh, great to be back on the show. Well, sure. you know, I, I got to tell you, Stacy, you've been. Uh, you know, I've been a fan of yours as well. I consider myself a friend. You know, we've crossed paths many times over the years during your yeah. your uh, tenure in uh, L.A. Guns, tenure. and yeah. you know, uh, you know, we've had you on the show, and you know, you've always been a good guest and a good friend of the show, and I'm glad to have yeah. you on to help promote. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Your your most current uh, project, which well, mm-hmm. you're what you're in about almost the fourth year of this, right? Uh, roughly, just a little over three years now. Um, so it's uh, you know it's been you know with anything, um, good things take time. It's a lot of work, you know, getting something new off the ground um, is a lot of work. It's it's you know it's really a becoming, you know, where you just going swinging and you can't stop swinging um until you know you break down those doors and break down those walls so um it's uh it was nice to have uh some success last year yeah absolutely well stacy i gotta ask you here Mm -hmm. you know you've been part of you were part of a legacy band that uh, obviously uh made their splash mostly in the 80s Mm -hmm. and into the early 90s and you held down that position for quite a while Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. you know, it was a working gig for you. I mean, obviously, you you wrote and recorded, you know, original music with mm-hmm. what, what was called L.A. Guns. I mean, obviously, it was yeah. you, you, Steve, and, and uh, Phil. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you, you have a part in the L.A. Guns legacy. But when you yeah. branch out to try to launch something brand new, especially mm-hmm. in an era when there's not a lot of radio support there's not a lot of record label support there's not a lot of money uh you really took a big risk there i did you know it was uh geez where where do i start with this without sounding long-winded i wanted a kick at the can of doing something that was you know modern so to speak uh, or what's you know called active rock, and and I just didn't want to be another guy replacement guitar player going from band to band to band to band. Um, I wanted something that what was my own uh, and do something that was current and uh, you know that had uh, a good good rock street kind of rock vibe, but mixed with a little bit of alternative. Um, and uh, modern sound. So that was the intention, and I, you know, wasn't going to stop until I, you know, see, saw this thing completely through. So uh, with a lot of perseverance and a little bit of luck and some money, <laughs> uh, we were able to, you know, do two very successful radio campaigns uh, with a company called Landshark out of New Jersey. And Landshark is a uh, 
one of the premier radio promotion uh, teams out there, and you know they do everybody from Buck Cherry to Ozzy to you know Papa Roach, Five Finger Death Punch, Pop Evil, um, all those school bands. Um, and then uh, so last year, <clears throat> our single Back to Black, uh, which was the leadoff single from our album, Per that actually ended up entering uh, eighty and the top 100 uh, Billboard mainstream and actually peaked and broke the top 30 at 28 and held that spot to, for two and a half weeks. So that was really, really exciting to to be amongst, you know, Godsmack and Alice in Chains and all these other bands. It was like, I had to really stare at that for, you know, every day and pinch myself. I'm like, wow, we really did that. So, you know, that's the reward. Um, it's just those nice little, you know, game-winning things that you you can do like that. But it it, it comes with a, a shitload of work. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, and money. Yeah, well, here and and I want to get into this. Uh, you know, I don't know how deep you want to get into this, but I I do have some questions because yeah. I've been I've been doing this for twenty four years. I, I was in mm-hmm. FM radio for a long time and. Went independent back in uh, 2003, and basically I'm all self-funded. I, I fund everything that we do personally because yeah. I've had the good yeah. fortune of, you know, making a good living and can pour, you know, my extra finances into doing the classic That's metal great. show. And, yeah. and, and I feel an obligation to support people like you who've been very cool mm-hmm. to me through the years and whatnot but when it comes to the record or the music industry i won't call it the record industry i'll call it the music right. industry if you if there is even an industry anymore uh right, it, right. it's expensive because it you artists have to probably self-finance or you have to find some investors and somehow mm-hmm. some way if you do have an investor there has to be a return on the investment somehow and and that's a big gamble. So how do you manage that? Well, you know, uh, we were we were fortunate to have uh, some money from uh, the the singer that we had. He's no longer in the band, but Paul Christian was able to uh, have some money to put into the band. As you know, it's expensive to record. And uh, you know, to do a major radio, national radio campaign, campaign is it is not cheap. Uh, it's very expensive, but it does get those results. First off, it's got to be good because if it's not good, they're not going to accept it, and they're not they're not going to push it to all the radio <coughs> station and networks that they have <coughs> throughout the U.S. So, hey, it's got to be good. Um, that's the first process. Then it's very political because you know when you're dealing with national radio it's basically you're at the you know helm of what these programmers like or don't like or whether they want to play it or consider you a priority and when they're pushing you know the new Alice in Chains release guess what you're not the priority as a new band so it's kind of this double-edged sword where it's like yes you were you're getting the momentum of getting your stuff played nationally on on uh, active, uh, active or current rock radio, but you're competing against all these bands like Godsmack and uh, Alice in Chains and you know Papa Roach that have been around for years. So it's like you know you're the new guy 
in this amongst this pond of big fish. So it's you know you're really at the mercy of these radio programmers. But uh, we did get a lot of great play, and that's how we you know ended up charting so well on Billboard. Well, Stacy, let me ask you. I mean, you know, obviously this isn't the '80s anymore. So how how important is quote unquote traditional terrestrial radio to to you as a musician or as a, as a band? I mean, because I got to be honest with you, I personally have not listened to terrestrial music radio in probably a decade. Yeah, it's kind of these one of these things, you know, bro, if you, you're kind of <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, it looks great on paper, and it is it is that nice to, you know, it's like, oh, hey, dude, I heard you on the radio. I was just driving home from my job in Chicago. Um, but it seems like most of the time that people are listening to the radio, as you know, is in their car. I don't know that many people that are listening to radio at their computer or at their their, their desks or whatever at, at, while they're working. Maybe they are. Um, one cool thing that we did get out of this was Alice Cooper's radio show, <clears throat> which you've probably heard, Nice with Alice Cooper. He featured us twice, actually, in 2018 and 2018. 19 two different songs on his show and that really broke the band open you know a lot of people found out about us through that so i'm I, you know there was a lot of other cool things that we did get out of that doing the radio campaign um and that was definitely one of them you know um he's just awesome i love that guy well you know obviously alice cooper is an icon <laughs> And his show is syndicated all over the all over the mm -hmm. country, if not in other countries as well. And that yeah. would be a fantastic platform to be featured on or even mentioned because, mm -hmm. as you're well aware, and I'm going to try to uh, equate this to current lingo, but, mm -hmm. you know, YouTube, for one thing, people who have created a persona on YouTube, they're now influencers well, what bigger influencer can you have in rock music than an Alice Cooper? Yes, yes. So uh, there still is a traditional platform mobile like that. But like I said, you know, YouTube is really, it's all about, you know, the social media and the networking and, and getting, man, it is really a science. And if you don't keep up on it or really have a, a, somebody in your camp that knows what they're doing, is you kind of fall behind. So you really have to do that. It's a 24-7 job. Um, and then you're dealing with, as being a new artist, I've got to compete against all these other big bands in this genre who are all making new music. So it's, it's just one thing after another. It's like you don't get off the treadmill. So uh, it will test you. Sure. <laughs> but... You know, I had this discussion when I was on Eddie Trunk's show uh, last year. It's such a different, you know, ocean now because it's like, well, anybody can film a video and you can put it up on YouTube and you can, you know, get the views and you can buy views and you can buy likes. And it's so different because you weren't able to do that, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, if you were lucky enough to get signed you know, and the label pushed you and then MTV got behind you, that was the format. Of course, that has long been gone. 
So really, it's like you're, you know, you're all those entities, the person, or if you're lucky enough to have, you know, a decent manager uh, or be on a, on a label, you know, there still is some good record you know, deals out there that bands have gotten. Um, it's all of those things firing at once. So it really is a full-time job. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, what what is yeah. your what is your viewpoint of you know um, music uh, uh, applications such as uh, Spotify or Pandora? You know, what's your thoughts? Is that a is that a helpful thing or is that a hindrance or is it sort of like uh, you know um, you're just going to have to accept that this is the world we live in now? I think it's the last thing you say. It's, uh, and it's so. It's such a fine line, bro, because, you know, the, you can keep talking about something online and you keep in talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. People will get sick of seeing the same thing. You're posting the same thing and the same thing every day and the same thing and the same thing. So it really comes down to is like you've got to find other facets to talk about the band than just say Facebook or Instagram. You've got to do all the multifacets, and then you you know you got to get out there and you got to play, uh, and that's going to kind of you know build this wave that you're going to ride the surfboard on. Um, so, like I said, it's a constant education, and it's just you know you either get with it or you don't, and that's just the that's the world we live in. That's exactly what you said. Yep, absolutely. Now, obviously, uh, music sales are not what they used to be, and. You know, I know you're a great player. I've seen you play probably two dozen times at least over the years. And, um, you know, musicians like to play. That's what they do. That's what their craft is. Yeah. So how does how does a, uh, a band like yours get booked, especially when you're, you know, again, you're you're fairly new to the marketplace, yeah. but but you are a name from, you know, obviously your your uh, stint with L.A. Guns and. Yeah, even going all the way back to rocks gangs. So, so. Yeah, uh, it's you know a lot of times it's you getting on the phone and doing it yourself because uh, it, it it like I said we're in this world where it's like you know everybody kind of wants the easy ride so to speak and it's easy to sell a band that's got a thirty year history or marquee value. So on top of that. Too, you're dealing with that fight as well. Uh, well, you're a new band. I'm not, I can only give you a set amount of guarantee. So you just kind of have to suck it up and do it and go out there and, you know, play your heart out and just do that. You have to have a completely different mindset. So like I said, it does test you. You know, you got to put on your football uniform and just go out there and crack heads and just take it back to grassroots. But it's, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard doing something new. But like I said, I you made the commitment to like I'm doing this hell or high water. Um, and it, it came down to I want to do something different musically, uh, and I didn't just want to be another guy as a replacement guy in another said band. As great as those gigs are, um, you know, I didn't want to be that my legacy. Of that, so yeah, I get it. I mean, you know, the thing is, that you got to pay the bills somehow. You know, you got to pay for your beers yeah. and chicks and your your house somehow. So you you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you have to suck it up and just do that. But you know, you're one of those 
you know, guys who who are thinking ahead and are innovative and, you know, believe in yourself and your ability. And you you took the big leap and obviously it's paying off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we had a good year. We had a few setbacks. You know, we we did get signed to a company out of New York um, called MI5, which the guy from Modern English, Ted Mason, owns. And that's that. If you remember, I'll stop the world and melt with you. Uh, that's his label. Uh, they are affiliated with Universal Music Group. So we put out our own album, uh, April, on our on our um, on our own record company called Grand Vision, and then we got down picked up. Two days after the album got released, Singer quits. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, once again, the, the the pitfalls and joys of being in a band and in the music industry. So. Um, you know, that was unfortunate, but we were very blessed to get a amazing new singer named Peter Summit, who's just been an absolute godsend. And uh, we are gearing up to go back in the studio with producer Mike Gillies, who did our record. And Mike is uh, Metallica's longtime engineer since the Load record. And uh, he's been a blessing, too. Um, a, lot, a lot of great people in our camp as well. Well, it's a good thing your new singer isn't, uh, you know, doesn't have a problem with being a replacement singer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mentioned Rocks Gang there, Stacy, and this is just something yeah. I'm just curious about because it was so many years ago. Uh, oh, yeah. t- can can yeah. you tell me a little bit about your uh, how you got affiliated with uh, Kevin Steele and Rocks Gang and yeah. how you landed that gig? I mean. You know they are sure. they are Florida based, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, living in Toronto at the time, and I was a fan of the band. I had that first record, uh, fantastic record, man. Really dug that. Really dug them. And um, I remember going through. Uh, I was popped into this bookstore one day, and uh, I was always like, "Oh, the new Metal Edge or Hey Prayer have come out." And, I, I, I always stop and well, let me check out the new metal edge. So I saw, I flipped them through the pages, and, and there it is, right in the print. Rocks Gang seeks lead guitar player, yada yada yada. And I was like, no way! I was like, I'm, I'm be perfect for this band. So my band at the time, Freddie Cat, had just kind of more or less broken up. This was '91 or early '92, and uh, so I, you know. Uh, I had, I think I just put like a press kit together, kind of a, a really good solo picture of myself, and I made a copy of a demo that we had done, and you know, FedExed it down to Florida, and uh, they called me like within days, and they're like, "When can you come down to Florida and audition?" And I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome!" So I learned, I think, five, five or six songs, and uh, flew down. Flight was delayed five hours. I cut this like god-awful Beijing flu. Um, and I was like, oh, this, this is how this is going to start? And, God, I, could, I was so sick, I couldn't even speak. And uh, I went in there and I kicked ass. And uh, I flew back to Toronto, and uh, I think about three or four days later, they called me and said, I, I got the gig. So uh, I packed up my stuff and quit my job, and got on a flight, and down I went, and life changed drastically after that. <laughs> well, obviously. 
So what, yeah. what, 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 would, what would you say sets hungry musicians apart from your normal blue-collar guy who goes to work at the steel mill every day? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is it is it do you have a more of a devil may care attitude or do you you know it's just like well you have an idea that well we'll see what happens or what what kind of optimism fills your head as a musician to where you're going you know i'm going to take that chance i might fall flat on my face but uh then again i might excel so what what drives you as a musician to take chances and you know go you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna you know throw my hat in the ring and hopefully it, uh, you know, it's successful. Yeah. It's, it's, you gotta own it. Uh, basically. I mean, first of all, you have to be a great musician and you got to look great, good. And then it's a, it's a really a mental state because I just remember when, you know, they call me and I was like, God, getting this set up to go down. And I'm like, I'm getting this gig. So it's also to a little bit of, you know, law of attraction, it's like I really, you know, I kind of attracted that getting that gig because it was like, you know, when I had that, that the first record, Things You Never Done Before, I was like, you know, at that time, this is the kind of band I want to be in. So it was like everything kind of lined up to you how far you take it. For, for me, I've always been, and I've been like this since I was a kid, it was like, I just want, you know, whether it was being playing baseball or playing golf, I'm going to own it, you know. Um, so you, you can't second guess anything and you can't be, mm, yeah, that would be great if I did that and went down there, but, you know, you can't have any, you, you're, you're all in, you're in the, the deep end. Uh, you know, without hesitating. Um, so that's really kind of why I've had the successful career I say that I've had because it's like I just I'm a go getter. I, I you know I see what I want. I go after it. I'm just very tenacious like that. Um, but you got to be a good musician too. So I mean, it, it's all of those factors all at once. Sure. Well, you know, that, that kind of, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Evil Knievel. I grew up, mm-hmm. you know, watching Evil Knievel on Wide World of Sports. And I, I, had a, I had a very fortunate opportunity to meet and sit and talk with Evil Knievel right there in Vegas at uh, Caesars Palace uh, wow. way back in 1989. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of the attitude he had. It was just like, you know what? I'm going to jump this uh, 180 feet o- across this uh, Caesars Palace fountains over here. I may crash. But you know what? Right. Fuck it. I'm going to go for it because I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. Do you want to hear my Evil Knievel story? Tell me of the Evil Knievel story. <laughs> so I guess this probably would have been 93, somewhere around there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, there was a strip joint that I went to frequent, frequented often in um, Clearwater, Florida called Diamond Halls. I went in there and I had this a black bolero hat and my black leather jacket on and I go up to the bar and get a beer and uh, this old guy's next to me and he looks at me he's like hey kid Halloween was over two weeks ago <laughs> and I looked at this guy I'm like excuse me and he's I was like good chatting with you asshole you know um, and so my friend was DJing 
uh, popped into the DJ booth, and I'm like, who's that old prick right over there? <laughs> my friend starts laughing, goes, that's Evil Knievel. And it was like my whole childhood, he was my childhood hero. <laughs> and just at that moment, I was like, uh, oh, that's my, that's my evil. Well, he, he did live in Florida for many, many years until he passed away. So, yeah, that, that yeah. would not be unbelievable that you ran into him in a strip club. Right. Yes. And was insulted by him. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was at the uh, Robbie Knievel jump at Caesars Palace back in uh, April uh, 14th of 1989 and I was able to sneak into Caesars Palace and be a part of the after uh, jump party. Wow, wow. How old now how old were you at that time? I was uh let me think. That was 1989. Let's see. That was uh let's see 99 2009 that was 31 years ago. So uh yeah, that was I was 20 um 28 years old, I believe. Yeah. Okay, so you're in your late 20s, okay? Yeah, so I got to hang out with Robbie, and I got to sit and talk with Evil. <laughs> nice. So that was one of the nice. biggest highlights of my life next to meeting you. Right, okay. But he didn't insult you? No, not at all. He was very, he was very, very, very kind. He, actually, he gave me his home address and told me, because I told him I wanted to write him a letter, and he said... Well, if you want to write me a letter, here's my home address. Send it here. Wow. Wow. So I caught him on a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Stacy, tell, tell me a little bit about this, uh, this band here. Uh, I know that you've had a little bit of uh, changes here, but uh, mm -hmm. tell, me, tell me about the, uh, what you call yourselves, the Electric Radio Kings. Where did that come from? Uh, you know, when we, we had finished recording, we did uh, an EP, and we were, we were, at first it was just kind of, you know, Paul, who had lived in, who lives in New Orleans, he had, I had done some other sessions with him, <clears throat> and, um, you know, the songs were so good, I was like, this, we, we need to do a band, so um, I had had this name called Stereo Kings, and they're like, everybody was like, oh, yeah, it was pretty good. And uh, that kind of morphed into Electric Radio Kings. And uh, that just stuck. And um, uh, it wasn't this long, drawn-out process of, you know, months of trying to name it. And, uh, I thought it was a really, really cool name. And uh, I liked that three-name thing, kind of like, you know, STPs, ERK. Um, so that's, uh, that's how the name came about. And we've gone through some member changes, as bands do, trying to find their way. Um, so <clears throat> three of the guys live here in Vegas, uh, <clears throat> David Harris, the other guitar player, and Johnny Rude, um, who's also a fellow Canuck, uh, as well, um, from Toronto. Um, and then Peter, our new singer, he lives in San Diego and our new bass player, Carl, uh, is in LA. But we, we, we consider ourselves a Vegas band because we do everything pretty much out of Las Vegas. We rehearse and record here. So. Well, I know a lot of musicians have kind of relocated to Las Vegas because I guess, you know, obviously it's cheaper to live there than living in L.A. And, you know, there's opportunities there out the wazoo to play at various clubs and casinos and, you know, different venues. So uh, when, when did you relocate to Vegas? Uh, it was summer of 2013 and, 
Um, you know, my my gal and I, who uh, we we had been in LA for a long, long time, and I, I you know, we we saw everybody. Oh, you got to come to Vegas. Got to come to Vegas. And if he had told me nine years ago that I'd be living in Las Vegas, I'd been like, "You're crazy. I'm never leaving LA." <clears throat> but uh, we were starting to get kind of burned out and. And in LA, and uh, we, I think we flew out for a weekend, and we went and saw this place that we kept looking at, townhouse complex, and we went and saw it was really nice, and we we're like, this is the price of this, you know, it's like what's the catch? So that was appealing, and uh, I think kind of everybody kind of got the, the secret got out of like, oh, you can live like this for this little. And for me, too, it was like, I didn't want to live in an apartment for the rest of my life, you know. There's um, seven years now. I, I do miss California, I really do, but, you know, it's an hour flight away, and I'm there um, usually once every two two months or so anyway, so I kind of get my fill of it uh, for three days, and then, you know, I come back. Sure, absolutely. My nice four-bedroom house on a golf course community, so for what? You couldn't even get a, a closet in L.A. for what I pay for this house. So. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you something, and and you can answer this if you want, or you know, you could be as politically correct as you want. But uh, when when you left L.A. Guns, was was this a choice on your own, or was this sort of like a internal struggle with the band, or how how did that all come about? Um, it was a choice I made and it wasn't an easy choice because, you know, looking back, I never, I never wanted to leave the band, but you know, we really were not all getting along and <clears throat> it was one of those things where it's like good marriage turned bad, so to speak. And I just felt at that time, I didn't want to be that guy that got fired <clears throat> But with like when you're not enjoying being around the people that you're with 24-7 and that's not being fixed and then you have contempt for each other <laughs> on stage, you got to you gotta make a decision, you know. I mean, it's all good now. We're all friends. And good. I'm glad to hear that. I love, those, I love those guys. I mean, and that's such a big part of my life. I'm so grateful for, for everything that I did with that. It was, uh, you know, uh, amazing, amazing ride. But at that time, you know, we, we, we had toured just nonstop for a year and a half. We were around each other all the time. And um, <clears throat> I, was, I was burned out, and I was kind of in a different space mentally and musically. And uh, it was just, you know, butting heads, butting heads, butting heads. And it was like, this, this, isn't, this isn't fun anymore. And, um, you know, it was, that, was, that was a tough decision. But, I mean, it was, uh, I had to make it and come to grips with it and accept it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't easy. So, um, but, you know, very, very grateful for, for, for the music I made with the band and all the tours and everything uh, it was a fantastic ride. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I always enjoyed you uh, in in LA Guns. I mean, you really held your own, and you did justice yeah, to the you know to the old material as well as the new. Mm -hmm. And thank you. Uh, you know, that's that's when I became a fan, and you know, got to know you a little bit. And yeah, um, 
you know, I, I salute you for the time that you put in there and, you know, the, uh, the new material that you, uh, created with them. Now, um, you know, do you have any thoughts on, uh, the two LA guns that are out there now with, uh, you know, Tracy and, and Phil and then mm-hmm. Steve doing his own thing. Uh, any thoughts on that at all? I mean, ever since pretty much with exception of the first maybe two or three years I was in the band, there was always two versions going on. So, um, you know, when that whole thing started, I was actually free <clears throat> and I said yes. <clears throat> and then, you know, when I told the band, they, when I told my band members, they freaked and they were like, please stay, don't do this. You have a new record coming out. You have a single going to the radio, a new video. <clears throat> and I just felt it wasn't fair to them and it wasn't fair to Steve. And I, I didn't want to get involved in a war. So I had to, you know, tell Steve, unfortunately, I was like, I, I you know, bro, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's, it's going to cause too many problems. So um, that, that was... <clears throat> I don't know how that played out, but um, I'm, you know, very happy what I'm doing now. And it's like I, you know, I started this thing, and it's like I didn't want to stop any forward momentum I had. Uh, it would be great to <clears throat> play all those songs again. Great catalog of songs that Ellie Guns has. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't want to get in in the midst of like a, a war. So no, I don't blame you. Yeah. Well, what's what's on the horizon for the Electric Radio Kings? What do you got going on in 2020? <clears throat> uh, a lot of good stuff. We uh, have just been uh, really doing a lot of writing, so we're going to go um, back into the studio with uh, Mike Gillies, who produced our record, Per. Uh, and we're going to do uh, probably three songs off the bat, so we'll... We'll do a new single and a video for that in uh, March, and we'll release that. And uh, we're probably be working with this really cool company called uh, Big Noise, and they've been around for about 30 years, kind of uh, <clears throat> East Coast, Providence, Rhode Island area. But they they've worked with like Red Hot Chili Peppers, and um, they were uh, worked heavily with Christina Aguilera. Um, Beach Boys, <clears throat> a lot of big, big artists. So um, we're going to start uh, working with them in the spring. And uh, just, you know, keep plowing, plowing ahead and knocking doors and down doors and just climbing that, climbing the ladder. You know, so uh, excited. We got a kind of a new vibe thing. It's more musically, it's changed a little bit, kind of like uh, more, a little bit more organic, kind of Rival Sons meets mid-90s STP kind of thing going on now, so really like the new direction and sound and songs that we're doing, so, so we're going to, we're full throttle this year. So you're constantly evolving. Yeah, yeah. All right, perfect. All right, uh, Stacy. You want to, uh, you know, is there anything else about the band or any anything about uh, Purr or anything about uh, your, you know, your upcoming, uh, you know, activities in twenty twenty? You want to let the fans know about that I haven't touched on? Uh, you know, just uh, it's really cool. We're playing the Viper Room on uh, uh, Saturday. Actually, uh, I have not played that venue since two thousand two. 
So I'm I'm super excited about that. But we a lot of a lot of great things, and the new music is uh, really really great. So, um, you know, I'd like to thank the fans who really stuck uh, stuck by me and, and supported this um, new journey. Uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of great things uh, brewing. So, uh, <clears throat> and thank you, thank you for having me back on the show. It's always always a pleasure. Well, you're always welcome on anytime, Stacy. All right, well, Thank if you, you want to check out the, the Electric Radio Kings, you can go over there at their website at electricradiokings.com, or you can check them out there on the Facebook, over there at facebook.com. slash. have got a new website coming, that old website, the old singer locked up. So it's, <laughs> it's, 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 See, once again, all that. Don't answer uh, <laughs> Well, is your Facebook still active? How's that? Yes, it's still very active. All right. We're, and our Instagram page. So that's kind of where to go right now. But we are, yeah, we have a new All page. right. So it's Facebook.com Electric Radio yep. Kings as well as Instagram.com Electric Radio yep. Kings. Go check out uh, Stacy David Blades and his band and, you know, listen to his music. Check them out on YouTube. You'll find some of their stuff over there and, uh, yep. you know, support these guys because uh, Stacy's a good dude and, uh, you know, we, we support guys who support us. So, uh, Anyway, Stacy, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. You too, my friend. Great, great to see you uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I will uh, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. So I think we'll close out this interview with uh, another one of your uh, YouTube video hits. I guess you want to call it is Jack Black Flower. <laughs> tell tell us a little. One. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. It's. Uh one of the first songs I wrote for the record and I don't know where that title came from it's actually there's a thing called a Jack Black Dahlia Flower uh, so it's kind of this I want to say it's really a drug reference uh, but it's it's kind of the songs about the pitfalls of you know whether an actor or musician or screenwriter uh goes to, you know, uh, L.A. with, with you know, stars in their eyes and all the pitfalls that fall along with kind of becoming famous or trying to be famous and successful. It's kind of uh, that tale. And uh, that's what the song's about. All right. Well, it's neither about the actor Jack Black and it's, it's neither... nothing to do with Jack Black. And it's neither <laughs> about the Black Dahlia murder. It, no. It's a song all on its own. I remember uh, Eddie Trunk going, he goes, what the hell is Jack Black? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it just came to me, man. <laughs> All right, well, here it is. It's the Electric Radio Kings <laughs> with Jack Black Flower exclusively here on your classic metal show. <laughs> 